It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, look no further than the Marketing School Podcast, hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast on Apple and number 15 on business in the United States. Now, if you want to listen to interesting conversations with operators that have been there, done that, also with other interesting guests, then listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season show us big risk can yield big rewards. Like Rob Riley, the creative head of one of the world's leading advertising firms. I try to create environments where anybody can say anything without any judgment. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Side Hustlers podcast. I'm your host from iHeartRadio, Carla Marie. I host the Carla Marie and Anthony show on 106.1 Kiss FM in Seattle. And this podcast is essentially my own side hustle. Each episode, we highlight someone new who is following a passion outside of their day job. And Leslie is this week's guest and she's got quite the story. You may know her. She was on an episode of Shark Tank with her invention, Good Hangups. And I'll let Leslie explain what good hangups are in a better way, but my way of explaining it is they're these tiny little magnetic things that help you hang posters and wall art without damaging your wall. She's also the creator of the board game Taco vs. Burrito, which she created with her son, and she's got a new project in the works, a game called Bold Made. This is Leslie's story. For a lot of people, you know, why are you waiting? You know what you want to do. This is something you want to do. Get off your butt and do it. I'm a hustler, side, side hustler. Do it. I'm a hustler, side, side hustler. Do it. I'm a hustler, side, side hustler. Come on, ask about me. Yo, yo, it's the Side Hustlers Podcast with Carla Marie. I never start with a quote, but I'm going to start with a quote, and it's, Trust your crazy idea and hustle to make it happen. And Leslie, that is your quote. (laughs) So I watched the part of your episode from Shark Tank, which we'll get into. And that's what you ended with. And I loved it because that's kind of been the theme of this entire podcast. You know, trust your crazy idea and hustle to make it happen. And when you said it, I was like, oh, that is gold. And I love it. So first of all, thank you for being here today. Yeah, thank you for having me. And funny, we just found out that we're actually blocks away from each other. But because... (laughs) Of social distancing, we are now FaceTiming to record this podcast. 
podcast, which is wild. I think you're my first guest who's been on Shark Tank and obviously you've done so much more, but that is so cool to me. And you created Good Hang Ups, which I love. So let's talk about that. Where did the idea for Good Hang Ups come from? Well, that came from my son because he was bringing home tons of art. So he was about four when I came up with it and he was in preschool. So, you know, they go to preschool, they make a bunch of art, they bring it home every day. Your fridge is fully covered and it's not great art. You're not going to frame it, you know? Some are great. We, you keep them, but most of them, it's just you want to show your support yeah. and that you love them. And <laughs> I just wanted a better way to hang it up and be able to change it out. So, like, you couldn't really tape it up because it's all often that artwork at that age is on that cardstock material. Yeah. So, I was like, oh, I wish I could hang it and then change it. The fridge works, but there's no no space on the fridge. There's very little space yeah. to put stuff up. So, I was like, there's got to be a better way to do this. And so... You know, I went and I tried all the things that were out there for temporary, but they were all individual use. You couldn't reuse them. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, well, I had a business going at the time. We were making decals and things for okay. laptops at the time. And so I knew a bit about adhesive and I knew how it tricky it was to make adhesive work to where you could reuse it. And then I had been kind of into magnets when I was <laughs> younger. I just like magnets. They're so crazy how they work. So yeah, so that was kind of how it started. And then it was this idea that just kept coming up and coming up over and over and over again. And then I just finally decided, okay, I I better do something with that. So the idea of good hangups is that it's a decal on your wall that you can take off without damaging your wall. But that part is also magnetic. So you can put little magnets on whatever you're hanging and exactly. it seemed like I wish I could go back to college and use this so I didn't have to use that I ugly know, right? blue sticky putty. And <laughs> for me, I uh, moved into my house a few months ago and I I love national parks and those national oh, park yes, posters so that uh, Lantern Press makes that yes. I wanted to put on my wall. But as I visit national parks, I'm like, well, how am I going to keep rearranging them? And I'm like, oh, good hangups Hang up. will be perfect Ooh. for my wall. So it is pretty yeah. genius that you invented this. And Thank this you. all while at the time you did have a full time job while you were doing this. Yeah, but I was independently working for myself. Of so course, it was I, I had a I had a business that was doing that. But you know, when you own your own business, you can be kind of flexible on where you put your time and energy. So Sorry. so yeah, it was definitely a side thing, not not the regular thing we were doing. So for sure, yeah. Okay, so how did you get good hang ups to Shark Tank? How does that happen? Because it can't be easy. Yeah, it was an interesting one. So because I had had a product line before, the product line that I'd had before that was for laptop skins and decals for cell phones and things like that. That product I had launched in 2005. Wow. And when I, I know early internet back <laughs> then you could make something and there wasn't much to buy on the internet. So <laughs> people bought it. You know? And it grew real organically for like five years. It was great. And then at five years in, a lot of people started doing the same thing. They did it better than me, had cooler designs. How dare they? I know. And right at that time, I just had my son. And so I was like a little distracted. A little bit. (laughs) And so a little bit. And so I kind of took my foot off the gas. And then the business just kind of slowly went down. Like, as you know, it went up pretty quickly. And then it kind of came down at the slow pace. It was kind of dying a slow death because I just didn't have the passion for it anymore. I'm a I'm a very like do something 
I have about five years I can ever give to any one thing. And then I got to move on to something yeah. else because it's just not. <laughs> Sounds not about me and my uh, dating life also. So <laughs> yeah, see, there you go. well done. Oh. I like it. Yeah, I've always been kind of thinking in terms of that. So then as it kind of kept going down and down and down, and I was about to close down that business. I still had this idea for good hangups. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to do it. Okay, but the decal company that you had wasn't just, that was a side hustle originally, correct? Absolutely, absolutely. So So I was a consultant before. I used to be in IT and tech stuff. And I was just burnout. I wasn't the best. I, I worked well in a company, but I would overwork. I would work like two people's worth of work. And then I would get bored when I should coast and then I'd move on to another job. So I thought, ah, I should do something on my own, Mm -hmm. but I didn't want to do tech stuff. And then I was a consultant for a while. And so I had a lot of flexibility with my schedule. So I was not in-house. So I was always external. And so I could have a project for a period of time and then I'd have a little downtime then have a project for a little time. So I started stickers during that time when I was like, well, I should figure out something else to do. And I feel like I was always the most fortunate person because as stickers started to do well, I never had to make the decision to leave because right at the time it started to do well enough to pay me a full-time job work. The consulting firm I worked for started to implode on itself. Mm. Like it just didn't do well. Like there there was some internal bickering or something and they decided to close up shop. I was like, I, I feel for people making that leap decision. And people will ask me, like, how did you decide to make the leap? I was like, ah, life has decided for, <laughs> for me. me. Yeah. Like, I- <laughs> well, and I also love that uh, timing. If anyone is listening to this as it posts uh, during quarantine and, and social yeah. distancing, you mentioned, you know, during your downtime working from home, yeah. you were able to come up with these ideas. And it's, you know what? You've everyone's got that right now. Why not? Totally. And a side hustle is the perfect way to do that. You start. It also doesn't it has lower impact. You can see if you really love it. You can have a hundred side hustles, but only go forward with one or always keep it as a side hustle. I mean, I'm pretty sure my son's business will always be my side hustle. And that's totally great. Yeah. So part of the reason I kind of went so strong and heavy for those first couple years with good hangups was that I just didn't want to do what I did before and watch it go up and then go down because I don't have right. my foot on the gas. Right. And I, I thought I could get a patent for the product. So I didn't want anyone to rip me off. Where's my other product I couldn't get a patent for? So I launched the product. I'm not very good at marketing usually. I can only do weird television. That's the only thing I can do. But uh, I had somebody had suggested I do a Kickstarter. And so That was very nerve wracking for me because I was like, that's very public. So everybody's going to know I failed if this doesn't go well. Like, you know, oh my gosh. And it was right around that time, uh, like about uh, a few months before that, I had had this great conversation with a girlfriend whose kids had gone to school, had, had gone to elementary school and she was saying she needed to get back to doing her artwork. And I was like, oh, what's stopping you? And she's like, you know, fear of failure. And I was like, oh my God, totally. Yeah. Like there's something like, I, you know, I was in my mid forties at that time and something happened to be like where it was like, I just got a afraid. I don't know. The fear of failure became very strong because everything was serious. I had a kid. It was like, you know, you don't mess around now. No, You're you an can't. adult. Yeah. <laughs> they like, need to eat. Do this. Yeah, exactly. You know, we were just having this whole conversation mm-hmm. about fear of failure and how we get older and we get fearful. And she said, 
like, well, but then for our kids sake, we should show them how to fail. Like we only show our kids like the best version of ourselves, right? We're trying to act like we're different humans than we are. So then when they go out in the world and fail at something, they're crushed. Like they don't know that's That's coming. Like, like, so they don't see our failure. So I was like, well, you know what? I'll do the Kickstarter. And if I fail at it, Alex will see me fail and it'll be fine. You know? So like, I kind of got this weird relationship with my fear of failure and then trying to show my son how to fail. Like it was like, okay, well, you're not doing that good at that. I know, I know. Well, this was funny because we, because I had that in my mind. I was like, at, at every little leap where I was like, oh, that's that's a little bit too big to jump. I think what happens in my mind is that the more you do, and if you put everything into it, it's a, I think that's why I said trust your crazy idea and hustle, hustle, hustle to make it happen because it's a lot of hustle. It's, you know, it's not an idea, it's hustle. The ideas are easy on some level. We all have them. Yeah. It's the determination to get them done. Yeah, it's easy to think of things, but to make them real and make them happen, it's there are special kind of people who can do that. They're not it's not something every everyone can do. And you know, it's people won't just take your idea and do it and give you 90% of the business. Like this. <laughs> you can try. It doesn't work that way or I would just sit back and make ideas. That's what I would do. So the Kickstarter was kind of the first thing and then that went well and I learned so much about product the product and who was buying it and you know oh yeah of course photographers will buy it yeah that makes sense yeah you know like different things that I learned a ton but then after we shipped the kickstarter out I was like well I don't know what to do now that was great you know we did like about 28,000 I think on our kickstarter which was amazing to me and we shipped it out we got kind of up and running with production and then I had to figure out how to promote it. So it's crazy. I I would sit around and I'm like, I would drink a little wine and then fill out forms on the internet thinking, oh, if I like send in a form to like Target or Walmart or whoever, someone they, op- yeah. they often have these forms where you can just fill them out. And I was like, that's low impact. I can do that. And then there was one for QVC. So I was, I filled that one out and I sent it in and, or I just hit enter or whatever. And then I got this email back that had like Al Roker on it. And it was like, thank you for entering today's next big thing. I guess I had been drinking more than I thought because <laughs> I didn't realize this was a thing for QVC and the Today oh. Show. And it was this contest about the next big product in the world, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. And I was like, well, I guess I applied for that, well, you I know, and know didn't realize. And then I went on to the next thing that I was, you know, drinking and filling out forms. Uh, like about a, three weeks later, I get this call and this woman's like, so you've been selected to be a finalist in the today's next. So we will let you know for sure if that's the case. You know, we just have a couple other things to think of. We think you're going to be a finalist. If so, you need to come to New York and present your product on national TV and then America will vote. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, like, oh, shit. Like, I'm <laughs> like, oh, no, like, I can't do that. I'm not a TV person. I'm not. I didn't know how it worked. I thought I would look very unprofessional because I'm kind of quirky. So I, I didn't know when I was nervous and I was having anxiety attacks about the whole thing, oh but I did it. And I was like, okay, well, here's another example. I'm going to go do this. I'm going to tell my son, <laughs> if I bite it on television, like if I have an anxiety attack, he will see that and I'll be fine. You yeah. know, I'll go on to something else and just not talk about this phase <laughs> of my life. And, and it was such a cool experience. And it wasn't... It wasn't pressure like Shark Tank is where they're really 
hardballing you. Yeah, like you have to make deals and do like, yeah, this is different. Yeah. Yeah. But so what a great preface to do this. So I did the Today Show thing where I made my pitch, but I knew what questions they were going to ask me because they tell us what questions they're going to ask you. And so I was getting comfortable with the TV part of it. You were with the contest was like a, you go and you compete against three other products and then on it, the winner comes back on Friday and then the then the judges decide who wins and whoever wins has to go to QBC and sell on national TV. Oh, the next you day. have to! How terrible! Yeah, right. Oh, I know. So I'm like, okay, and so I won my day, which was insane to me. I was so on a high. I was I was walking around like right near Thirty Rock. High five in New Yorkers. They're like, if you, <laughs> Can't do if that you now. put your hand up, they will put their <laughs> yeah. hand up. Yes, they they might be freaked out by you, but I'm like, mm-hmm. they're like, who is the crazy lady? So um, then I came back on the Friday, and I just didn't expect to win because it didn't seem like a very QVC product. And then I won. And as part of that, I had to go the next day over to QVC. And then when I did QVC, we sold like $300,000 worth of product in six minutes. Okay. So at this point in time, which is insane. First of all, it is totally a QVC product because it's one of those things where you're like, whoa, cool. It is. Well, I just didn't think the audience was my target audience because I didn't know my customer yet. I thought kind of the customer was probably younger people who rented. And we're thinking, oh, I don't want to damage my walls. I didn't picture their demographic tends to be over 50 women. And I thought they're going to put a proper like frames and stuff. They're not going to want this. No, they did. Apparently they they were they were in. So (laughs) at that point, were you how was shipping working for you? Were you shipping from home? Did you have a warehouse? How was that? So I had an office because I'd had the business before. So I was shipping from there. But this QVC is different. You ship it to them and they ship it out. And so right after that so this was unusual usually with qvc you order it they ship it out the next day but because of this contest it was pre-ordered okay i had to go then make the product after (laughs) this and i had no idea how i was going to do that because it was a lot more than i'd ever done before at this point when when you went on the today show your kickstarter had finished but were you selling the product regularly or yeah I, i mean we had a website but like you're not marketing it just sits there right you know occasionally somebody finds it but rarely when you said you sell sold three hundred thousand dollars i'm trying to look at the website how much did like a pack cost okay because uh, it was 19 we did a 16 pack on air and so okay. it was 19.99 that's nuts yeah so yeah so then i was like well we can't make it all like like i know how to make them i know how to but this is a lot more than we make. And we were making everything. So there was a group here. They're not they're not doing it anymore, which is unfortunate. But there was called Northwest Center. You might see their trucks around. They often take people's clothes and they have a whole number of arms to their nonprofit. But they also had an assembly company that employed people of all abilities. And they funneled all their profits back into our area for mm-hmm. families with kids with disabilities. They were amazing. And I went to them and they said, yeah, we'll do it. So they made them for wow. me. I was like, oh, my God, this is great. And it's amazing people. Uh, they employ people of all abilities. So it's great. It's just like yeah, it's cool awesome. to get to work with a company like that for sure. Yeah. And they were really patient with a new person. They weren't expecting me to be professional and know what I was talking about. I just <laughs> That's as long always as great. I could pay. They yeah. were fine. You know, <laughs> <laughs> they're like, well, whatever. We don't care what you're saying. Oh, OK. So then did Shark Tank find you from QVC? Oh, gosh, no. So I had started doing QVC pretty regularly. Oh, wow. And I was 
the big hustler. You became right? a so, pro at that point. So I would go like they call me on a Monday and I have to be on air on a Wednesday. So did you fl- where do I, they film? They're in uh, near Philadelphia. Okay. So I was like flying out in the middle of like last minute, just go do it, come back. Like I would just do it all, as many times as they'd let me to because I would sell way more on a QVC. I mean, I never sold at the level I sold that first time. That was insane. But like still, it was way more money than I could sell when I just sold on my website. So I had to just go for it all the time. And I always wanted to do Shark Tank. So then when I was hustling that whole year, I thought, well, if I ever get a chance to do that show, I need to show some serious sales because that's how you do well on the show. If you have sales. Yeah. They're they're usually, like, okay. yeah. yeah. If you don't have sales, you better price it really well because otherwise they're going to eat you alive. So um, I actually went out to New York because they were doing the same contest I did. They were doing it again. Mm-hmm. And that week the weekend before I did QVC, then I went to New York and I did, they were doing like, here's our winner from last time. Where is she now? Kind of thing. So I got to go on and whatever. It was really fun. But they happened to be doing open casting in New York City that same week. So I was like, well, I'll just stay an extra day and I'll go to the open casting. I've got my stuff because I had to do QVC. So I'm ready, you know. They really just want to know that you're not going to freeze up on TV, the yeah. casting people. I feel yeah. like the casting people are just thinking, is she going to freeze up and, like, be nervous? Well, she does TV already. We can look at that if she's doing it. And then I got called right away. Actually, my the casting agent and I have become friends cool. after. She's she's no not no longer there, but she's like, Leslie, I can't tell. I'm not supposed to tell you this, but I'll call you next week. I was like, yes! <laughs> so I was like, this is good. That's amazing. So then you go through the process, and it's a long process. Like, you've got to prep. You've got to do a lot of legal stuff. You've got to do all your finances so that they can vet you and right. make sure you're not lying about what you've got. And then you have to be ready to do it, right? So you have to be able to know the answers to the questions that they might ask. You got to be ready for what you want, how you're going to counter. But and I'd you're watched- making a deal on the spot for real, or do they? Right. Oh my yeah. God. But you know, I've watched every episode. When I go into something, I go hard. So right when I found out that there was a potential, that was like April. I filmed in June. I made flashcards of every question that was ever asked on the show. I was like <laughs> ready to go with those. And then I just started practicing the negotiation. I found this guy who did a uh, podcast at the time. He doesn't do it anymore, but it was like a Shark Tank podcast. And I asked him if he would help me practice Mm -hmm. because my friends are going to be too friendly and they're going to be too nice. He won't, he doesn't know me. (laughs) Like, you know, so I was like, I got to be ready for all the negotiation side of it. And he was so helpful. I mean, I was like, I was, by the time I got in the room, I was totally comfortable because I knew yeah, what they were going to do and I knew what they were going to do. And I had something in my back pocket, which was my counter offer that I did end up using to Lori that I knew that if, if nobody was that interested, I could get someone somehow because I had sales. So, you know, it's hard for them to say no if you have sales. So you just have to make them an offer. They won't, they can't refuse. So, so what was it like then after Shark Tank, like working with the show? Lori? Like, yeah, working with her. Like, what was that? Right after you film, yeah. it doesn't air for a while. Yeah, so you're true. like in this gray area. And then you have to do due diligence with your shark. So they don't have to go through and you don't have to go through with the deal. So it's, it's like part of the, like, because they haven't seen your finances. They don't know if, you know, there's something good. And they don't know enough about you to know if this is a good deal, right? True. They know from what they've heard what they want, but they don't know 100%. 
And then Lori was just a joy. Like she just she's my favorite. jumped in. Yeah, she's so good. And she knows, I, and you know, I've been doing QVC. So then when she started doing QVC with the product, I didn't have to go anymore because she's amazing. She could sell way more than I could ever sell. And she was so good at it. Like, I mean, her, her people who watch her are just loyal. They want to buy what she brings them. So yeah, she's awesome. And then there's this whole family of people that she's also done deals with. So we know each other That's really cool. well. It's now. like what happens when people are on this podcast, they all become friends. Yeah. Way, way lesser level because it's not Shark Tank level. Yeah, I mean, now no, you're up in the similar. game now. You're up in the you game. So connection. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, okay. Le- good hangups. Amazing. Such a cool product. Genius for thinking of it. But now you have another side hustle. And I want to talk about all the other things you've done. So let's go with what you and your son created. Cause I, I, the crazy thing to me that you've now put this gene into him of, I need to create <laughs> and try to fail, well, I thought but I was not teaching him. Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. I thought I was teaching him how to fail. And then like, I was going to show him and then it didn't work out that way. And then I guess I maybe taught him that you can do weird things. Didn't matter how old you are. I don't know. I didn't mean to teach him that, but So one day in like September of 17, uh, my son was seven at the time. One day he just said, you know, mom, I want to do a card game called Taco versus Burrito. And I want to do a Kickstarter. And I'm like, okay, honey, how do you play this game? And he's like, I don't know yet. And I was like, well, you can just make a game on paper for your (laughs) friends. Like you don't need to do a Kickstarter. It's a lot of work. Do you remember how much work mom did? And he's like, well, what do I have to do? And I was like, I thought it was just going to be an exercise of like, let's go through all the things you have to do to make a game. Then all the things you have to do to do a Kickstarter. And he was really engaged. And I thought, Oh, well, this is so nice. We're talking about what it takes to make something happen. It was, it was a great conversation. And I really thought that's the end of it. He's going to go. But it didn't seem to go. And well, we, had a, we had a dog that we would walk to this coffee shop. I would always go get coffee. Alex would go with me every Which Saturday coffee shop? I bet I know. Oh, Bambino <laughs> on 65th, right? Hilarious. And we'd talk along the way. And then we would have coffee and usually sit there. And we were big card game fans. Like we play a lot of games. So when we would take trips, We would bring a game for each day and we'd learn a new game. And then we would like, you know, we were always playing games. So it wasn't unusual for us to think about, oh, I like this part of this game. I don't like this part of this game or like, you know, that kind of thing. He started thinking about how the game could work. We just would mark, mark it up on paper and then we would walk our dog to the coffee shop, get coffee. And then we would go and sit and we would play one game of a game we already had. And then we would play the latest version of taco versus burrito. Okay. And then, you know, it, often it would go terribly because we didn't know how the game was going to work or like, Oh, obviously you'll always win if you have that card. Like, <laughs> and so, um, and so then we would walk back. It was you know, like a few blocks away. And then he would be thinking about what, how we could tweak it. Like, Oh, you know what we could do? We could do this. And then we get home and we would just mark it up on a paper and then we would go about our day. And then the next day we would walk. So every Saturday and Sunday we did this kind of routine and 
for four or five months, the game got really good. I mean, how, it was like, really fun. And this is your, at how old was your son at that point, you said? He's seven. seven. He was seven. seven Inventing yeah. a game. Yeah. Like most kids do, but not putting it on Kickstarter. I think because I had done one and he'd been part of filming it and stuff. I don't know that. Oh, and we were backing games on Kickstarter. So we would find games we cool. liked. And That's we would cool. Back so he knew the concept. I was like, we'll go through this as an exercise. I think the game is really fun, but, you know, who's going to buy a game from a seven-year-old? <laughs> well, I but can apparently look, a lot of people. No, I don't want to spoil it or anything, but I'm on walmart.com and there are only five left right now. It was crazy. So, and, and the Kickstarter was such a fun process for him to put himself out there. And we had this whole discussion of like, okay, so what if it doesn't yeah. do well? You know, like, how are you going to feel? Because that was, I started to worry about that. Like, am I... Is he going to have this experience? Is he going to fail before you do? Well, is he going to fail and then feel awful because I haven't been able to show him much of like, yeah. So I just was worried about different things, but it went really well right away. Like, I think the name was engaging enough. And then we put him in a little taco costume and he's adorable. so so cute. I mean, it's hilarious to watch him do it, but it was so much fun. And then it went really well. So he raised like $24,000, which is insane. Yeah. He, he being as he is, he was seven at the time. We were like, oh my God, this is so crazy. We ordered the inventory and then we shipped out the Kickstarter. And then we thought, okay, well, we'll send the leftovers into Amazon. So we overordered and sent some into Amazon because I already sold on Amazon. So I kind of knew yeah. like how it would work. I had no idea Amazon and games were so big. Mm -hmm. Like, it's enormous. Yeah, because when you go to Amazon website, like, I don't really order games from Amazon. Like, that's not a regular thing I do. But that kind of always pops up for me. It's always there. It's like games. And I'm like, oh, okay. (laughs) I had no idea the market was so big on Amazon because... Yeah, so he instantly sold out of what he had there. So it's a card game, right? I just want to make... It's a card game, yeah. Okay. Mm Mm-hmm. It's so, a card game. Have you guys been seeing it sell a lot more now because everyone's oh, in yeah. quarantine? That's the craziest part. Like all the businesses that struggle. I know so many people through Shark Tank who have, you know, a, a number of employees. They're struggling with how to make payroll, all these things. Yeah. And then Alex doesn't need any of this. And it, it's selling like it's Christmas time because people are stuck at home, right? It's a strange thing but it's you know it's the thing it passes your time you enjoy it you like you really get that opportunity to sit and play with your family have great great. conversations and yeah we're such a game we play games every weekend i love it it's so the title on walmart it says taco burst burrito the wildly popular popular surprisingly strategic card game created by a seven-year-old it's yep it's so cool. I mean, that right yeah. there, I'd be like, all right, I'm going to buy it. I mean, the seven-year-old. Yeah, that my two. husband wrote that because I was like, okay, I don't know how to. I yeah, can't write. Do... I was like, yeah. I apparently I can't read, to... so <laughs> we're good. <laughs> so we're good. I thought the seven-year-old part would ensure that only kids bought it, right? Like I thought, no, no teenager or adult's going to buy it, but apparently not. You sold $1 million worth of Taco Bell's burrito after Last launching year. it. Like it's just nuts to me. I don't know. I know. <laughs> you don't know either. It's crazy. I don't know. And we didn't do anything special. It just, the beauty of the game is that you don't play it alone. So anybody who bought it, played it with other people, and then those people would play it with other people. Like and all then, games. And, yeah. And so you don't have to, the marketing problem that I have, which is I get nervous and I don't know how to promote something. 
you don't have to do anything because the people who buy it promote mouth. it for you because yeah. they talk about it or they play it with other people. And so it organically grows. It's kind of crazy. Okay. So you have good hangups. Then you create this while running that. Now, yeah. your side hustle is technically working for your son's son. company. <laughs> yes, I do. I work for my son now. Is your, does, does your husband feel like I need to contribute and create yeah. something? Oh, he does too. He works for my son as well. But I mean, is he <laughs> like, I got to come up with an idea because well, I'm slacking in this house. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, my God. He's probably more creative in a okay. number of different things. He's just not odd like we are okay. when we do it in public. <laughs> I, love, I love it. I love it. He has no desire to like put all this stuff out there he'll just be the creative one in the background it's great to have that yeah oh god it's great and he knows so much more about many 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 things than we do so it's great it's a good combo okay so now there's another layer to all of your ideas and everything happening you have a kickstarter that just completed for yeah bold made which i love because it's a play on the game old made but it's got badass women that we know and love in this game so the Kickstarter completed obviously was successful, correct? Yeah. Okay. Yes. How does this game work and what are the next steps? Because we've obviously seen your last two things through completion, but now this one is kind of like, yeah. all right, what happened? So tell me all about Bold Maid. Old Maid, I cannot stand that game. Yeah. Like the fact that we still play this game is ridiculous. I didn't know people the whole did. goal of Old Maid is not to end up with the older woman deemed too old to marry. Like that's ridiculous. <laughs> like in this day and age, we should, no child, nobody should be playing it, nor I didn't know. Hated. I didn't think it was a thing that kids still played. It's it's played still all the time. <laughs> yeah, like, should be and, illegal. And the, it's. It, I really feel like it's like one of those archaic things that people don't think about, and so they just keep playing mm-hmm. it. And then once you say it out loud, your people are like, "Oh my god, you're right. That's terrible." Yeah, I forgot that's how the game went. So you're right. right. In this day and age, I was like, "That is ridiculous." So. Every time it would get brought up or somebody would get it out or whatever, I would go off. And my son got tired of hearing me go on and on about how awful Old Maid was and how he would never be able to play it. (laughs) I did let him play it once and he was like, it's really boring. I was like, yeah, well, it is really boring. I hate the idea of young kids, girls and boys, like ever having that be one of the because it often was the first game people played like as a kid that was your first game like even if you don't think about it it's like a negative so I he was like well why don't we just flip it and make it something else and I was like oh my god yes and I was like we could celebrate these amazing women this would be great and then I was like but we have to make it more fun because old maid can we made bold maid so that it can be played like old maid but also played like for for littler kids but then also come with a bunch of action cards and things to make it really fun Mm -hmm. and alex is a master at taking something tweaking it to where you just can't get enough like it's like he somehow has this engine in his head of like how to improve and and that's tweak wild things. look what you created yeah. i'm not talking about the game talking about the kit <laughs> yeah i grew him i grew myself <laughs> <laughs> no i mean it's great it's amazing to watch him watch him work because i was worried that the gameplay would be boring i was like i don't know how to make this exciting and then like oh god four times in and he's like oh you do this this and this and i was like oh oh this is good so yeah so It's been really fun. And then launching the Kickstarter before the whole pandemic happened was meant to be done during Women's History Month. So we would celebrate all the women throughout the month. And 
it was so much fun, nerve wracking too, because the pandemic stuff was starting mm-hmm. and then it felt weird to be running something right. at the same time because it felt, it, it just felt strange to me. I was very happy when it was finished, but it ended up going really great. And I met so many good people. Yeah. You have about 4,000 backers and $177,000 pledged for this game. I know. I know. Way bigger than we've ever done before. So So, uh, just a quick, how does this game work for people who are like, wait, I want to know more about this game. It can be played just like Old Maid, where you're trying to match things up. You can also play a version we call Go Bold, which is like Go Fish. But for the adults, for people who are like over seven and want something more strategic, it comes with action cards. And the goal is to kind of create three sets of women. So three sets of artists, three sets of scientists, three sets of world leaders. And as you're trying to do that, there are action cards that'll stop you from being able to do it or allow you to kind of change cards with someone and the goal is the first person to get to three sets wins. Yeah. And it, it, it's, it's a one blast. of those action cards like your male boss is being a dick. Yeah. <laughs> you we should really do these things. <laughs> We've been thinking somebody suggested we do a cooperative game. And we have been thinking about doing something that's a little more politically motivated. One of the things we tried to do was kind of stay this line of things. Yeah. Because we wanted the exposure to be as big as we can because really the whole goal of doing it was just to stop people playing old mate yeah so yes we'd love to have the most engaging <laughs> game but really if everyone just stops playing old mate we'll be thrilled no absolutely <laughs> so then now that you're a pro at the whole kickstarter thing what happens now with this game and you have all this money what happens so we finish up you know like some things we got a lot of suggestions of amazing women to include so we're switching up some oh, of the people cool. in it we that was part of our kickstarter was to ask our backers who they think we should include and oh my god so many amazing women i've learned so much about real badass women i've never heard of and i'm like this is so fun and yes. it was fun to have him learning about it too i'm like the likelihood of him becoming like you know a jerk later on to women is low if yeah then you really mess way, something you know, up like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's been fun to kind of celebrate all the women in the game so we have some more artwork to finish up and just some final things to go onto the box and then we kind of have it laid out to where The month of April is just kind of finishing a few things up. Then we get samples in May and start into production. And then production takes about a month to two months. We use our same manufacturer, so it's not a lot of learning curve. And then come August and September, we ship out. So what are you going to make next? (laughs) Um, He's working on some other game. I was kidding. (laughs) No, I mean, well, he's making an update to Taco versus Burrito called Tokyo versus burrito, which is inspired by our trip to Tokyo, where he decided we'll use all the weird food that we found in Tokyo and come up with like kind of an expansion because people always want to play the next Mm -hmm. version of something. Of course. And then he's got a couple other games. I'm not sure which one he's going to land on, but he prototypes them and takes them to school and then plays with them with other people. And unfortunately, our dog passed away a while ago, which he was very old. So it wasn't too upsetting about that part except for our routine of walking to the coffee shop and playing is gone we don't do the same thing and so because of that it's kind of the the motivation to stay on these projects isn't as strong sounds like someone needs to adopt a dog i know we've been talking about getting a dog (laughs) but uh but yeah but at the same time 
I, I, I'd like to check in with him and see if, you know, maybe it's too much. He is, he is nine I mean, now. Like he's maybe a CEO, he's so yeah. It's kind yeah, of- <laughs> yeah. I mean, and I, I do, you know, I mean, could be his forever job, which is crazy, you know? It's incredible. I mean, I am very excited to f- see what he does. I mean, he's 10, almost 10 now, you said, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. to see what he achieves, it's going to be wild to watch. But do you have anyone else working for you guys at this point? I mean, you have a lot going on. No, we just do it. I mean, because we only sell on Amazon, really. Things get resold on to like Walmart and other places, but we just have one place we sell. We don't try and make it more complicated than it needs to be because we don't have the time. So you do your own so, social media and everything? Yeah, we 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 do our own social media. We do it sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I love I love that you We're use really the bad about all the things that I traditionally would do for like good hangups. I we do not do most of that for taco versus burrito. And it doesn't need it as much, you know, because there's a community already growing that mm-hmm. buys it and plays it and talks about it and shares pictures. So it's like, yeah. It is incredible what you guys have done. And there is Thanks. one thing I want to talk about that really has nothing to do with side hustling or working. But I saw in your bio that you lived in a tiki hut at some point. Oh, I bought a hut. Yes, you bought- I bought a hut. In Mexico. Is that what you're talking about? Yes. yes. What? Oh, yeah. That was that was my 45th birthday. I happened to be going over a weekend that was – there was a yoga retreat in Mexico. I don't even really do yoga, but I was so desperate to do something for myself that I was like, yeah. I'll sign up for this. So I went – and while I was there, it's in, it was in this little sleepy village that's like a little surfy village that's north of Cabo. And the people who were running the uh, retreat were also in real estate here in Seattle. Huh. And they would just go down and do these retreats occasionally. And they had bought one of these huts in this little development. And I was like, well, tell me more about this. So they're 30, they were $35,000 at the time. And I was like, we'll just not buy a new car. Like I, I will go yeah. 20 years with a car. Cause that's a car. Right. Yeah. But I can't live in my car. Or at least it's inappropriate to live in my car when you don't need to live in your car. It's awkward. Like, so I was like, well, I'm going to do this. So I bought it and it felt like just such a crazy thing to do. I thought it was going to go terribly wrong. Like, I don't live there. I got to design things about it because they were finishing it up. And it's been a blast. So we rented out on Airbnb when we're not there. And uh, yeah, and we go down there, you know, a few times a year and just spend time. And it's lovely. It's okay, well, really, the, I know where I'm staying when I go to Mexico now. Yes, it, <laughs> my palapa is your palapa. <laughs> I, when I saw that, I'm like, you, what, who? I've never like seen that written out before. I bought a tiki hot. I'm like, what? That's really cool. Okay, so you've been talking a lot about having not failing ever, but I know that can't be possible. So in yeah. all of these business ventures, were there any mistakes or failures or things that are coming to your mind right now? Oh, yeah. Yeah. From So so I talked about talking with my friend about the fear of failure mm-hmm. thing. At that moment when I was having that conversation with her, I was stuck. I couldn't launch anything new. You know, I I had mentioned uh, that, you know, for the first five years of my business, it kind of went organically up. It was great. It seemed to go really well. And then when I took my foot off the gas, all these competitors came in and it just started to go down and down and down. Then I had new ideas for products. I would create the complete product and never launch it. 
Oh my God. I, I had a whole line of language learning wall graphics for kids that I was teaching Alex Spanish with. So they were these stickers that went on the wall and they were interactive. So you could talk, you know, have your kids start to learn Spanish at a young age. I had all of it done and I, I just couldn't launch it. I was worried I would look like a fraud. Like I didn't speak fluent Spanish. So how could I be the mm. one? Like I had all of these things that would cause me not to do it. But I love playing with ideas. I was just hard. I was hard for me to launch them. I had at least four different products that I developed completely through that I never really launched. If I launched them, it was in such a small way. And then the second it didn't take off, I was like, see, I told you. I told you. So it's like, I wasn't going to work. No, never going to work. And uh, so I, there was just a period of time for that those years that I was just checking myself too much and worried about things. But yeah, no, it was, uh, that was a crazy time. But, and, and I mean, I've had tons of failure. I mean, I've had jobs that did not go well where I was almost in the fetal position and thinking I was going to get fired. Luckily never did get fired. I feel like there were very slight times where I might've been there, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. but in general, you know, I, I've gotten into the wrong thing and stayed way too long, like with things mm -hmm. and, uh, yeah, that's the trickiest part about about things. It's like not to let the failures stop you from doing something new or letting you try a new thing or do a new thing. And that was why I was thinking, oh, my gosh, if Alex can picture this failure stuff, he'll know, you know, he'll be able to. And I, I will say also, I, I attempted to sell uh, good hangups in the fall and I got very close with some really large companies and it didn't work out. And I oh, was wow. just really bummed out because I had this vision that it would go to a much bigger brand and it would be folded in and, and it may still do someday. But at the time I was like, just really bummed out. And so I, those kinds of things I share with Alex all the time. I'm Good. like, you know, like I, you know, everybody gets down, they have those times and business is full of tons of failure all the time, right? Oh, yeah. You do one thing, it doesn't go well. You just have to keep moving on and doing another thing or another thing. So a few weeks ago, I had Kata from Successfully on Side Hustlers. And as she was leaving, she was like, oh, you have to talk to Leslie. She's amazing. She's created this thing. And she was on Shark Tank because she started telling me. I was like, <laughs> okay, I mean, connect us. So here we are. So you know Kata from Successfully how? Yeah, so we were both part of F-Bomb, which is a female founders group that is amazing. They get together on the first fucking Friday of every month. I don't know if I can swear <laughs> yes, you beat can. me if I need to. Yes. You're good. So it's, uh, it's Seattle-based. It's You know, I went because they had something called Pitches to Bitches. I was like, <laughs> okay, this sounds awesome. Yes. Right? I need to come to this. How have I not been there? Um, it is the best thing. Now it's online, so you can you can watch Ooh. it in the because it's the coronavirus. Yeah. We can't get together. But literally at 7 o'clock in the morning on the first fucking Friday of every month, about 100, 200 women get together and share. And it's not, you know, it's just the Megan McNally who started it is just one of the most genuinely uh, authentic people. And she really kind of keeps everybody grounded and not talking like platitudes of business and being mm. successful and blah, blah, blah. But really what's it like, you know, that kind of stuff. So Kita was there. I'd met her before and then she had done a podcast. I'd been on her podcast and then it was actually last year, about halfway through the year, we were both at an F bomb and I 
was just not executing on all my ideas. I was like stuck. Mm -hmm. I was feeling like I wasn't, I needed someone to kick my butt because I was just not able to kind of- You needed a success bully. (laughs) Exactly. It's hard when you don't have a boss because you don't have anyone to impress. You don't, no one knows if you didn't get your things done on time, (laughs) right? Like (laughs) I just looked over at her and I was like, it was like the it was like the day after the 4th of July so very few people had gone not very few it was just a lot less people mm-hmm. and i was like thank goodness you're here and i was like i need you and we signed up and she's been my coach ever since cool. so we meet we meet up once a week and she keeps me on task and and helps me not get too ambitious with what i say i'm going to accomplish and then burn out mm-hmm. but like kind of keep something going. So it's great. I love this. I mean, I can listen to you talk and tell your stories all day. <laughs> no, because you're you're so excitable and you're so inspirational and you hey. really you're you've like motivated me. I'm like, what am I going to go make? What am I going to go create right now? I'm going to go <laughs> do a card game. Okay, yeah. a card game. That's what it is. Side hustlers card game. Oh god, on. don't give me Listen, I got all the I need to really work with kid. I got all the ideas that I can execute. I love listening to you. So we yeah. need to definitely get drinks. But thank you. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being here. Everyone needs to go check out all the things you're doing. Good hangups. I'll put all the links on the podcast. You've got good hangups, bold made, taco versus burrito, everything. So check it all out. Support Leslie and Alex and his career <laughs> that we get to watch. Thank you very much, Leslie. Oh, thank you for having me. It's been so much fun. Thank you so much for listening to Side Hustlers. I appreciate you being here every single week. And if you want to support anyone who has been on this podcast, if you actually go to the description below where you're listening, no matter where you listen to podcasts, this should be there. There's always a link or links to the information that everyone gives on the podcast. Anything we mention, whether it's their website or a book that they love, a podcast that they love, whatever it may be, all the information is always below in the description. So you can click it right there. And if you can't support right now or at any time with buying a product from anyone on this podcast. That is totally fine. Feel free to follow them on Instagram, support them on social media. I know a lot of these business owners would appreciate that so, so much, and especially in the last few weeks. So if you're listening in real time, you know we're dealing with all of the quarantine chaos, and I've been having people who are previous guests on the episodes of how to help a small business right now. And they're all telling us how they're pivoting their business. It's really inspirational. There are four episodes you can listen to like that. So if you're just finding this one, just check those again. I'm at the Carla Marie on Instagram. Feel free to follow me, DM me with any questions, comments, concerns, suggestions for future guests. I appreciate you being here every single week. Until next week, keep hustling. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, look no further than the Marketing School Podcast, hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Su. It is the number one marketing podcast on Apple and number 15 on business in the United States. Now, if you want to listen to interesting conversations with operators that have been there, done that, also with other interesting guests, then listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season show us big risk can yield big rewards. Like Rob Riley, the creative head of one of the world's leading advertising firms. I try to create environments where anybody can say anything without any judgment. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.